0: Turning your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Luke, we'll be reading together verses 20 through the end of the chapter, verse 37. Hear now the Word of God, Luke 17, beginning with verse 20. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to the disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look there or look here. Do not go out and follow them, for as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking. "'and marrying and being given in marriage "'until the day that Noah entered the ark "'and the flood came and destroyed them. "'Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, "'they were eating and drinking, "'buying and selling, planting and building. "'But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, "'fire and sulfur rained from heaven "'and destroyed them all. "'So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. Likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night, There will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, where, Lord? He said to them, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Thus far, God's word. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your precious truth, for a truth that does not leave us in our sin, for a truth that does not leave us in our coldness and unresponsiveness, but warns us, calls us to awaken, for the time is short. Lord, would you bless these words today and use them greatly in your kingdom for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, for thousands of years, many people have been quite fascinated, sometimes even obsessed with the biblical teaching about the end times, even from the days of the Old Testament prophets, men like Isaiah and Daniel and Zechariah and Malachi, who heralded the promise of a king who was coming and of one who would establish a kingdom that would last forever and ever. Now, for many years, people had questions about those prophecies. That's exactly what we see here. Our passage opens with the Pharisees asking, when will the kingdom of God come? So they are asking, what is striking here is the way Jesus answers the question about when will the kingdom of God come? He answers it with teaching about when the Son of Man will be revealed. When will Christ return to this earth a second time and set up that kingdom in which righteousness dwells? Now, in our own day, I hardly need to to convince you that lots of people are reading, they're preaching, and they're talking about all the biblical passages that speak of the return of Christ. Consequently, there have been many predictions down through the years, 1884, 1906, 1920, 1943, 1990 and 91 and a whole lot more since that time people predicting when Jesus will come back. When will it be? What will it be like? And how is it going to take place? And my friends, I could answer those questions very concisely and very quickly but I want you to stay until the end of the sermon. So I'm going to take one at a time, and we're going to work our way through this particular passage of Scripture. Now, I want you to keep in mind, our text does not say everything there is to say about the return of Christ. However, it does give us a number of basic truths that deal with this most important event of the return of our savior but at its core there's one thing that this passage presses upon each and every one of our hearts and it's this you need to be ready We don't know exactly when it's going to happen. When the Son of Man will return and bring in that kingdom. But this much we know. It's going to be quick. It's going to be total. It's going to be immediate. When it happens, there will be no time to change. Now is the time to change. Are you ready? Four particulars that I want us to see this morning, beginning with the return of Christ will not be what most people think it's going to be. As mentioned earlier, Jesus uses the expression kingdom of God in verse 20, and then the day when the Son of Man will be revealed, when Christ will return to this world, In verse 30 and he uses these two concepts interchangeably so he wants us as we think of one to think of the other I understand that there are some in our day as there have been in every age and generation who simply don't believe that Jesus is coming back they may not even believe that he was ever here 2 Peter in chapter 3 talks about those who say, where is the promise of his coming? Everything just continues as it's always been. And so they deny it outright. They don't even think about it because they don't believe it. But my friends, if we believe the Bible is the word of God, we have to recognize Jesus taught and taught plainly and repeatedly. That he was going to return to this world. And here's a problem that we face. Assuming that we're here in God's house on God's day, in God's worship, and we believe the Bible, here's the problem that we face. Even among those who do believe, there's so much disagreement. And there's so much misunderstanding about the biblical data. It was true in Jesus' day. The Pharisees said one thing. The chief priests said another. The common people thought another. The same thing is true in our day. This passage is designed by the Lord Jesus Christ to clear up at least some of those details. And the first thing that our Savior points out as we read in verses 20 and 21... When he says the kingdom of God does not come with things that can be observed. It does not come with observation. But the kingdom of God is within you. It's in your midst. Do you understand, my friends? That means the kingdom of God is in our midst this morning. These things apply to us. What Jesus is basically saying is this. You're not going to be able to recognize certain events. You're not going to see certain things happening in the world and say, oh, look at that. It's clear. Jesus is coming this Thursday at 4, 4 p.m. You're not going to be able to Observe things that are going to tell you when Jesus is coming. There have always been those that say, look at this, look at that. Here it is, it's getting ready to happen. Take all your money out of the bank and send it to my organization because you're going to be raptured. Well, the problem is, there have always been those that say, look here, look there. But Jesus tells his disciples, when that happens, don't listen to them. Don't even go look at what they're calling you to do. Brethren, we need to hear those words. When you hear these things, and maybe they sound really good and really reasonable, don't Listen to them. They don't know what they're talking about. Jesus says, don't follow them. Don't listen to them. Rather, he says, the kingdom of God is within you. It's close to you. It's in your midst. In other words... My friends, the issue, when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to the coming of the Son of Man, the issue is not the war in Jerusalem. The issue is the war in your own heart. Are you still fighting with God about who will rule and reign and control your life. Are you still resisting, hesitating, refusing to bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what Jesus is saying. This is about what's going on in your own heart and in your own life. When it comes to how you live And why you live in this world, it's to be for his sake, not yours. Is there war in your own heart? Or is there peace? Because the Prince of Peace is reigning over your life. Have you bowed the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ? Is Christ the King? of your life is the kingdom of God within you and are you in the kingdom under Christ when it comes to the kingdom of God your first concern brothers and sisters young people children listen your first concern is not external It's not who's in the White House. It's not who's sitting on the Supreme Court. It's not who's prime minister over the nation of Israel. It's not external. It's internal. And so Paul tells us in Romans 10 that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. That he's seated on high. Now that he will return to this world. You will be saved. That's the most important thing for us to consider. Psalm 2 gives us that very vivid and articulate image of the nations raging in their rebellion. Who does God think he is to demand control over my life? Let's cast his, his cords aside. Let's break the bonds. And how does God respond? The psalmist tells us, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. You puny little man, you think you can resist the almighty God? We must bow to the Lord Jesus Christ, whom God has sent to be the savior of the world. Secondly, the return of Christ will not be a secret event. Now, I would anticipate that there are many in this room who, like me, in my very early years as a Christian, were taught there's going to be a secret rapture. There is going to be a rapture. We are going to be taken up to be with the Lord forever if we are alive when he returns. But brethren, I cannot find anything that even hints at a secret rapture. For 1850 years, the church never heard of such a thing. The whole idea of a secret rapture was was promulgated and and brought to light in 1847 by a man by the name of J.N. Darby. Darby was holding a camp revival meeting and a woman came forward and said, I've had a dream and this is what's going to happen. And from that moment, it took off like wildfire. Schofield then picked it up and included it in the notes of his Bible, which became very popular, and the teaching spread. But here's the simple truth, brothers and sisters. If we examine what the Bible has to say, we're going to see a very different picture than that. If you would rightly understand the return of Christ and when the kingdom of God will come, you need to pay specially close attention to what the Bible actually says. A number of of things that we can highlight here. The first thing is that Scripture speaks of one event, not many. Scripture speaks of one event. The Bible refers to one, one and one only, day of the Lord. Not two, not three, not separated by thousands of years. We have a number of key passages. 2 Peter 3 and verse 10, we'll look at a little bit later. 1 Thessalonians 5 speaks of the day of the Lord. Peter speaks of the day of the Lord. We read in this text in Luke 17 and again in Matthew 24, 36 about that day, one day, the day of the Lord. Here in verse 24, it's his day. But in every case, it is one day of the Lord. Now what Jesus says as he describes that day is pretty amazing. It's pretty unmistakable. Look at verse 24 and 25. For as lightning that flashes out from one part of under heaven and shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. It's going to be in that day that's like lightning when it happens. Now, is there anyone in this room who does not know what it's like to be in a thunderstorm? I think we had a pretty significant one just last Friday in our area. And that thunderstorm was accompanied by lightning. One of the most dramatic scenes that I've ever seen. One of our trips to Wisconsin, we were driving through northern Indiana where everything is flat for a gazillion miles. You could see on and on and on. And we were coming up on this tremendous thunderstorm. And the jagged bolts of lightning were going across the sky from one end of the sky to the other. It was phenomenal to watch. But my friends, when that lightning bolt streaks across the sky and lights up the whole of the heavens before our heads, when that happens, everyone sees it. And everyone who is breathing within miles is going to know that it's happened. And Jesus says when Christ returns... It's going to be like lightning from one end of heaven to the other. Scripture knows nothing of the return of Christ as a secret event. Secondly, in, in support of that, Scripture speaks of the day of the Lord as being a dramatic event. Turn over, if you will, to First Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians 4, one of the key passages that people who favor a secret rapture point to. But listen, just forget about all of that and think about what the Bible says in verse 16. The Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout. I don't know who it is that's going to be shouting, but I think it's going to be pretty impressive. He's going to come, it's going to be with a shout, with the voice of an archangel. Again, I got the feeling that that archangel is not going to speak softly. The voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ are going to rise. How are you going to keep that a secret? All of these things are going to happen when the Son of Man comes. Second Peter, look at the words. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Perhaps this is where the idea is going to come quietly, but not, that's not the point. The point is here it comes unexpectedly. You don't know when the thief is going to come, but it's going to come like a thief in the night But listen to what's going to happen. The heavens will pass away with a great noise. And the elements of the earth are going to melt with fervent heat and be burned up. My friends, this is not going to be a quiet event. When Jesus comes back, everyone on the planet is going to know about it. Everyone is going to see it unfolding. Now, knowing these things, knowing that Jesus is coming back, that it's not going to be a secret, it's going to be a dramatic event that the whole world sees and knows. What difference does that make to us? What impact, what's the effect that these biblical truths should have upon us? Well, at the end of 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul says, Comfort one another with these words. Brethren, if you are in Christ, if you have put your trust in him, if you have bowed the knee to Jesus as king, you don't need to fear The day he will return. You can long for it. It's a comforting thought. It's a blessed thought. We live in the midst of many difficulties and hardships. One day, my friends, Jesus is coming again. And all of that is going to change. Put your trust in him. Confess him as Lord of all. 2 Peter 3, look at verse 11. Since all these things will be dissolved, heaven and earth as we know it is going to disappear. It's going to be dissolved. Since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? And Peter says we are to be filled with holy conduct and godliness. Until that day comes, my friends, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be a walk in the park. And Jesus highlights that in verse 25 when he he tells his disciples that he must first suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Before that day comes, Jesus is going to suffer. And we know when that happened. But that's not all. He tells his disciples in verse 22, there's going to be a day when you will long, you will desire to see just one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. You're going to wish, oh, that we were with him again, walking by the sea of Galilee, sitting at his feet, being taught, being instructed, but he's gone. You will not see it. And there will be many hardships and many difficulties that arise as the result. You're going to long for those days. We long for those days to be with him. In the meantime, we are to be holy. We are to comfort one another with these thoughts. And we are, as Paul says in Romans 12, 12, to be patient in tribulation. We're going to face difficulties before that day comes. But be holy, be godly, be patient, and be comforted by the truth of God's word. Thirdly, the return of Christ will come on a very normal day. There are a lot of good men who have been led astray in their thinking about the return of Christ because they have tied the day of the Lord to a series of extraordinary events. There's war in Jerusalem. There's an earthquake in Indonesia. There's the Great Fire in Chicago. There's the stock market crash on several occasions in this country. And people look at that and they say, look here, it's happening, it's coming. But that's not the way Jesus presents it. Beginning in verse 26 and following, his words are crystal clear. Listen to what he says, beginning in verse 26. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, and they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so... Will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed? Jesus' words are clear. It's going to be like the days of Noah. It's going to be like the days of Lot. Now, what do you think of when you think of the days of Noah? before the flood came and destroyed all of mankind except for eight souls in the ark. I think it's safe to say that most of us tend to think about the fact that in those days, every imagination of the thoughts of men were only evil continually. That's pretty bad, isn't it? Every single thought that men had was evil and God said I'm not going to put up with it anymore what do you think about when you think of the days of lot again I think it's pretty safe to say that when we think about the days of lot we think about those days where the vile sin of homosexuality was so rampant That when some guests came to Lot's house, they practically broke down the door to try and have wicked relations with those visitors. That's usually the way we think of the days of Noah and the days of Lot. But my friends, that's not what Jesus is pointing to. He's not talking about the sinfulness of those days, at least not as we tend to think of it. Notice what he says. What he focuses on is that in the days of Noah, they were eating and they were drinking and they were getting married. And when it comes to the days of Lot, he said they were eating and they were drinking and, and they were buying and they were selling and they were planting and they were building now, my friends, what's wrong with those things? Absolutely nothing. Except for this fact that these people were so wrapped up and so busy with their work and with their pleasure and with their making money and enjoying life that they had no for God and all they were living for was more money more pleasure more notoriety more comfort more enjoyment of life in this world they had no time for God they didn't care about seeking God they didn't care about fellowshipping with God or worshiping him on his day. They certainly didn't have time to listen to the preaching of God's servant. Both Noah and Lot rebuked their generation for years. Turn, turn from your wickedness. Listen to God's will, and they would have none of it had no concern for pleasing God, reading his word if they had it, doing his will, and definitely were not interested in serving God. I ask you, my friends, at least here in America, could there be a more apt description of our society today it's all about money it's all about pleasure it's all about comfort it's all about possessions i want more i want more and we neglect god almighty who has given us those things out of his grace and mercy he has given us paul says in first timothy 6 and verse 17, he has given us all things to enjoy. But as we enjoy them, we are to use all of those things, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we are to do it to the glory of God. We are to praise him. We are to thank him every day. We are to keep our eyes on him. Again, in Colossians 3 and verse 23, Paul says, Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord and not unto men. My friends, in your workplace, don't just eye your supervisor and work hard when he's watching. Do it as unto the Lord, who's always watching. When you're at home and in your families, When you turn on that TV, brother, you need to be mindful that whatever you do, you do it as unto the Lord. And if what you're watching is displeasing to Him, you better turn it off. When you turn on your computers and you start looking at things that you know God is displeased with, you better turn away. And turn it off. Whatever you do, do to the glory of God. Well, Jesus punctuates this lesson about it's just normal events that are taking place when when people are going to see the Son of Man return. But he punctuates that with an exclamation point. And it's not just realizing that it's, it's not when the world gets really wicked that you look for Jesus to return. It's going to be in the midst of normal things like eating and drinking and getting married and buying and selling and planting and building. But there is this additional thought that we are to hold those good gifts God has given us loosely in our hands. Notice what Jesus says when he talks about verse 32, remember Lot's wife. In the midst of all the pleasures and enjoyments of life in this world, Lot's wife put the earthly pleasures above God. And when she was forced to leave those pleasures, she turned back and she looked longingly back to Sodom and was changed into a pillar of salt. My friends, here's the question I would ask you this morning. If Jesus were to come back today, is there anything in this world that you would hesitate to leave behind? Is Jesus your priceless treasure? Is He your? pearl of great price and you're ready to leave it all to be with him it's going to be a very normal day God has blessed us with very normal things but he doesn't want that to capture our hearts remember Lot's wife Well, let's look at our final point, and that is that the return of Christ will be sudden and unexpected. Verses 34 through 36, we have these striking, intriguing words. Jesus says in verse 34, in that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken, the other will be left. Two will be grinding together. One will be taken. The other will be left. Isn't it interesting that as Jesus talks about the return of the Son of Man and he describes the situations in which it's going to happen, one of them is taking place at night and one of them is taking place in the daytime because no matter where they are on the globe, this is going to be a global event and one's going to be sleeping and another's going to be working when the Son of Man comes. I might be sound asleep in my bed. Mike Cunio is going to be just getting up to start his labors for the day. When the Son of Man comes, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter who you know. It doesn't matter who you're married to. It doesn't matter who your parents are. One is going to be taken, and another is going to be left. And the difference is who has put their faith in Christ, who is trusting him, who is clothed in his perfect obedience. We're going to be one taken, another left. It's going to be a sudden event. As I mentioned earlier, there's going to be no time to change. No time to prepare to meet the Lord. It will happen in an instant. And there will not be time to mend your ways when the clouds start parting. Jesus is going to come. And it's going to be sudden. The time, my friends, to change is right now, today. Don't leave this place. If you need to do business with God, if you need to put your faith in Christ, if you need to turn from your sin, now is the time to do that. Don't wait. To those of you who have believed, to those that are you that are trusting in Christ, are you ready to meet the Lord and to be with Him? Is the kingdom of God within your heart, and are you in that kingdom under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ? Lastly, it's going to be very unexpected. It's going to be in the middle of normal activities. Some of you are going to be sleeping. Others of you are going to be working. But whatever you're doing, it's not going to matter. It's going to happen in an instant, and it's going to be unexpected. Listen to the way Jesus puts it in Matthew 24. In verse 42, he says, Watch, therefore. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. And he repeats it in verse 44. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you do not expect. It's going to be unexpected. Are you ready? Listen to the counsel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In an hour that you do not expect, a son of man will come again. Well, then verse 37. (laughs) What in the world can I say about verse 37? The disciples heard this instruction. They said, Lord, (laughs) where is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? They have questions. They want to know. And Jesus answers in these puzzling words. Wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered. Or, as some translate it, wherever the carcass is, the dead body, there the vultures will gather. You... Based on our English translations, you can feel the tension that the translators are struggling with. I, I think the key here comes from the context. Now, to, to translate this word body as dead body or carcass is, is a, a bit of, of translation license, Because this word is used 75 times in the New Testament. And I could not find one besides this in Matthew 24 where it's translated dead body or carcass. Now, it makes sense the dead bodies and then the vultures come. But here again, the translation is an issue because is it eagles or is it vultures? Just read J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on the gospel. You will see like 15 different possibilities. What we have to do here is look at the context. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about the coming of the Son of Man. He's talking about the angels coming and rescuing the children of God out of this world. And for that reason, I think what Jesus is saying is wherever the body is, the body of Christ, the church, the angels will not have any trouble finding. They will gather and they will take them out of this world to be forever with the Lord. If it's a dead body, then it's those who have rejected Christ and the judgment of God We'll find them, and they will be punished. I favor the former, but I don't think it changes the tenor of the text. Key thing, my friends, is Jesus is coming back. It's not going to be anything like what people think it's going to be. It's definitely not going to be a secret event. It's going to happen in the midst of our normal activities and it's going to happen quickly and unexpectedly. Are you ready? If you have questions about that, please don't hesitate to come talk to one of us. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, we look to you. Prepare our souls for that great day. Wash us afresh in the blood of the Lamb that we may be ready. Hear us, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take just a moment. So we meditate upon the truth of God's word.